Sunny Sharma, welcome to the show. Thank you. Thank you for having me. It's our pleasure and honor, and I'm very grateful that our audience has recommended this. Yeah, I'm glad you reached out. I read the comment that you sent. <laughs> yeah, it was great to see that someone seeing the bench of awareness analogy that we posted had also seen the train station analogy that you yeah. posted and was like pattern matching. Yeah. <laughs> Funny how things come about. I love that. Yeah. And you are very prolific in the space of creating content around spiritual understanding, maturity, self-realization, non-duality, and also have made good content around empowerment and manifestation. So these are totally our core subjects yeah. of interest. So <laughs> beautiful. So let's see where our conversation takes us today. Yeah, exactly. I'm curious, you carry the simultaneity of already, always enlightened and free and perfect while simultaneously carrying the there are clearly people that are trapped in a noisy mind that are seeking to heal the confusion and reunite with the kingdom of God within. Do you hold those simultaneously? When you go into interpreting it like that, and I feel when I myself try to go into interpreting it like that, I just get confused <laughs> and, I, and I fail to do so. So I, I like to put it this way. There's noise and there's the underlying silence. So being in touch with the underlying silence, which is not appearing, but which is allowing the noise to appear. I would say that is the, the, the experience. And, and that's the experience whether or not we acknowledge it. So simply the acknowledging, knowingly uh, being that is perhaps what these teachings direct us towards. Okay. Beautiful. It's a great start. So the noise and the underlying silence, or another way to put it is the silence in the symphony allows the notes to appear. Absolutely. And that's why 
I believe it's so much about what interests you, you know? We're too interested in the noise, stimulated by the noise, stimulated by what appears. And that in that sort in that immersion is a sort of blindedness to the to the screen on which it is appearing. So one of the things that sometimes I, I ask people to to look at and, and invite them to do is let go of being so interested in what happens. Let go of being so interested in how this one turns out or how the experience of this one turns out because it is in that interest you know that that's where the concerns arise that's where the the fears or the deep attachments and clinging arises which creates that blindedness and that blindedness then we experience as suffering and so it, it, to some, it may sound crazy, especially when you just encounter the, a teaching like this. It may sound crazy to 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 stop caring so much or being so uh, interested in the unfolding of how how life is going. But that is that is a sort of willingness that is required to acknowledge, as you said, the the silence in in within the symphony, right? The, the between the notes. If you're so immersed and interested in the the sound, silence is not going to be anything, you know, it's not even going to be perceptible. Same way like the movie analogy that so many of us are familiar with. If we're so immersed in the movie, you're not going to acknowledge the screen. A sort of blindness will happen where, you know, so in order to acknowledge this, the already existing screen, which isn't being created or brought about by some sort of effort, it requires a certain um, letting go of being interested in the images that are appearing on the screen. So to really simplify what the mystic traditions are saying, mysticism being defined as uniting with God or with the absolute, the most simple spiritual understanding is to simply recognize the silence the underlying silence in which the notes appear and disappear or in the screen analogy, just take a look at the device that you're watching this on right now, whether it's your phone, whether it's the computer monitor, the TV, whatever device it is, Notice that the screen is being modulated right now and that all you have to do is lock the screen or power off the monitor or the TV and what you see is a blank screen. Mm -hmm. And sometimes some of the coolest things that have ever happened to me, period, have come from literally sitting 
in the corner of my living room doing absolutely nothing and just holding the empty space mm-hmm. and I'm looking at these four monitors that are all powered off in the corner of the room two two on the studio set two here with the desktop mm-hmm. and I'm just looking at them and just what's arising is like pure ineffable beauty that is always already present yet that is rarely ever truly acknowledged and embodied yeah. and I, I this is a really strong analogy or an, another one is the the blank canvas is another great one so we actually keep one for this exact purpose yes. we have them on set so the blank canvas Mm -hmm. right we're rarely ever you go into an art exhibit yeah. the, the gallery <laughs> what is the same across all of the pieces of art <laughs> the fact that they're on a blank canvas or you look at the pages of a book right what underlies the text all of the differentiations in the text all the appearances mm-hmm. is the blank paper yeah now, someone may say, you know, it, it's okay, it's easy to see that on, on the level of, okay, when you're looking at something within experience, like the blank canvas or the movie screen, when you go to the, the, the cinema, but it's like, how do I bring that to my direct experience of, uh, of you know, my actual experience? And so the, the two very, very simple ways um, that I usually, because I like simple, I don't like anything that complicates overcomplicates this so the, the the first step to it is learning to take a moment to just acknowledge what is right now what is appearing what thought what emotion what sensation what image And just acknowledging that, not judging it, not interpreting it, not going off into any story making, not even fighting it, not wishing it to be different, not expecting anything out of it. But first, just acknowledging. And once it's been acknowledged, for this moment, allowing it to be. You see, this immediately dissolves any sort of contraction, any sort of belief, any sort of resistance to what is appearing right now, whether it be pain or pleasure, whether it be the strongest of sensations or the mildest of sensations you're simply acknowledging what is and you're allowing it to be 
And once that step is taken, you can then see very, very clearly that at the heart of your experience is that which is aware of it. And so this is perhaps the, 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 the thing we can be sure of most. You know, everything else that is appearing, literally the next moment is very dreamlike. It, it literally becomes dust, it, nowhere to be found again, other than a memory of it, which is also just appearing here and now. Even these words are just floating into, you know, nothingness. So the experience, what we are aware of, is so unsure, so unstable, so uncertain, always just changing. But in your conscious experience, the thing that you can be sh very sure of is I am aware. And so once you come to a place where you acknowledge what you are aware of and not battling it, not needing it to be any different, then you can inquire, then you can investigate as what am I aware of it? You know, so that is that is what that is the question. That is the curiosity. It doesn't even have to be a mental question. You know, sometimes the inquiry itself, people say, just becomes a mental asking, who am I? What am I? You know? So just this inward curiosity as what am I aware of this? It immediately takes your attention away from what you are aware of. So it immediately takes your attention away from the images on the screen. And automatically you are you are there standing as that which is aware. And so here, not associating that which is aware with any thought, with any sensation, with any idea of what you believe is aware, is alive. And just being that which is aware, acknowledging that I am, that is that silence. That is the, the collapse of objective focus. Simply being as you are and allowing that which is to flow, to be as it is. And so just in the simple way is perhaps the entire teaching, you know, at least the practice of it. We, we often love to go so far deeply into the non-dual philosophy and videos and reading and, and books, and we completely neglect what it is simply pointing us to, which is this very collapse of objective focus. It, it's telling you, be quiet. You know, so oftentimes I say that, that's like there are three main components to the teaching. Obviously, the discussion and the reading and the conceptual philosophy is a very vital part as well although perhaps the least vital part, second being silence. And then third comes the integration, right? You going through experience or allowing experience to now bring to the surface all that is sort of unconsciously believed in, all the identifications and, and living the implications of, of of what you're discovering in the silence, perhaps we can say. So is it concepts, 
silence integration something like that yeah sure you know, cool discussion philosophy <laughs> yeah yeah reading watching yep yep that second direct experiential embodiment is most critical it's what anchors what we're talking about otherwise it just remains up here so it creates that subtlety right it makes you it makes your identity itself subtler and subtler it, it makes your ability to also understand these abstract concepts perhaps and confirm and verify them in your experience otherwise it's just giving the mind food more thinking more uh, fancy uh, ideas which it, it hides behind you know while running away from the silence so one who just dwells in concepts becomes very intellectual in that regard and very knowledgeable about the teaching. But as you said, it's, it's just that surface noise. Subtlification. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I was trying to find this word on the internet and then I realized that we'll likely be turning this into a neologism, right? A new yeah. word, the subtleification process. Yes, yes. Which has been talked about across these mystic traditions for thousands of years, but I really like this sort of new way to word it. Subtleification is like moving yourself further away from objects and what appears to be like a physical reality to recognizing that reality is completely observer dependent. Mm -hmm. It's completely consciousness dependent. Reality cannot exist without that which is aware of the reality. Mm -hmm. So it's a big shift from the outside to the inside. And so that's already a massive subtlification because you're moving from objects to a subject. So a subject itself does not have a form or a shape. That's why it's called formless. Mm -hmm. And so that's already a massive subtlification, which is beautiful. And then what we further do, like we've been talking about, is this process of silencing even more, even more silencing, recognizing that this subject is actually shared. The same observer looking through Sunny is looking through Atlas is looking through the viewers 
and then becoming more and more comfortable with the shared eternal capital S self and becoming aware of the infinitude of that and the emptiness of that and how we can begin sort of seeing this reality as one of endless possibilities. So one of the fun analogies we like to use is the food analogy, right? If this reality is a beet salad, you know, we came from the chicken soup reality, we're going to the steak and potatoes reality, You'll never come to the end of all of the possibilities of combinations of food to taste, to experience, to explore, to play. And perhaps that the, the emptiness, as you refer to it, is what sort of replenishes you to dance within the spontaneous and infinite forms of expression without losing yourself, without once again becoming immersed and, and blinded you know, life is so sticky in that regard. Your your situations, your relationships, your your work, such, such sticky situations. You're you're always uh, that are always arising, and and that's the the food for the mind. It loves to you know once again go into the interpretations, the judgments, and then it creates this veil. Whereas, yes, that the the silence is that that ripening factor which further grounds you in that non-physical identity so that you, you are able to go uh, be able to go through experience authentically, you can say, not identifying, not, not contracting, not limiting yourself to a shape. Mm -hmm. Emptiness is the recharging of the battery. And it's also the detoxifying of the vehicle itself as well from its conditioning, from its separate personhood. Mm -hmm. So it enables in the most simple example is that everybody is familiar with is what's called the gap or the pause. So when you're in the scenario, <clears throat> typically <clears throat> most frequently experienced with family, <laughs> when there's a, a little bit of a budding of perspectives, is that as soon as you take an inhalation and relax your perspective and needing to force that into the dynamic, you create that pause or that gap 
you create that emptiness, that space. And in doing so, you create this reharmonization of the possibility space where it can be more vibrated frequency wise towards love light unity and away from the separate people arguing because they don't know themselves as God having a conversation with itself. Yeah, that's a very good way to put it. And that's why I also say all the time, you know, uh, to anybody that, you know, because when these challenges arise, these arguments, this friction arises in experience, automatically the mind is resisting it it wishes it was otherwise it and oftentimes we have these ideas that as i'm becoming more aware as i'm becoming more spiritual that you know it's just i will just flow and no more problems whereas these these situations and these um conversations and these unique challenges arise and these are our greatest opportunities rather than to be resented and resisted see in that moment of argument with your partner perhaps see what 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 belief what idea what mental position you are so subscribed to what what, what are you defending what are you contracting into what are you trying to prove you know and this is this is the spiritual practice it's perhaps one of the the greatest spiritual practices is that life naturally brings this to you you don't even need to go do this it's just an automatic arising and it happens just even if you renounce everything and you're sitting and you're still go you know life is still going to happen and so it will even find avenues in that regard and so when those things arise rather than now going further deeply into that judgment aspect the psychological mind just churning more and more you you have to in that moment acknowledge you know what what can i let go of what am i what is coming to the surface right now and that's that subtle subtlefication we were talking about is that previously let's say you weren't even able to acknowledge you know these sorts of identifications and and things that you were bought into in that moment but now you're it's that that deeper eye of awareness that is that you're able to reflect that light upon what you are currently buying into that can be let go of that you can release and almost every single time you do so you you notice yourself as you just said it refreshes that infinite possibility and you notice how things take a more harmonious turn Although that is not necessarily the goal of this, that generally tends to happen. So let's say in that argument with your partner, if you acknowledge that, you know, because the mind is very good at making you believe that, oh, it's just the other person that's incorrect. And, you know, my position is very, very true and it makes sense. And although it's very logical and easily believed in, when you acknowledge that, it, it also is just a limited point of view. And you're seeing this point of view from the view in which points of view arise, views arise 
then becomes that willingness to to ease on that point of view to no longer want to prove its correctness or defend it and that when that when you lay down the arms when you let go of that defending and and you just ease off now once again that that flow is sort of reignited and it's so in the, in that way it's a beautiful uh sort of process even we created this incredible reality as one intelligence at play with itself where we can call it like we wrote below catalysts mm -hmm. as is said in the law of one that these are our, our greatest tool for awakening yes so when we gain this subtlification, like we've been talking about, we no longer come in as a victim. Mm -hmm. It's a shift from being a contracted victim to being the very creator of the scenario for myself to experience the catalyst to awaken to what it's trying to teach me. And then in doing so, I recognize that this entire reality is designed to guide us all home. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> and that's the, the step three, right? The, the integration aspect, as we discussed earlier, obviously conversations like this, and then silence, allowing yourself to actually marinate and and no concepts. And then this is the integration process, which you don't do. It happens. And you must just be willing in that in that regard, be willing to step up. And, and you know, so uh, sometimes people say then how to bring this willingness forth. And I, I've come to see that it is a direct byproduct of your wanting the truth, rather than wanting to be right or or to to have this experience to be following or pursuing your mental objective you have to want to be to be free of of that and so this willingness this ability to step up and let go arises in likewise proportion and this always reminds me of uh, a quote by Nisargadatta Maharaj. He always says, you want reality, but you're afraid of it. <laughs> you cling to that which is not real. So, so th in, that, in that step three, it really tests us. You know, in silence, we have these great discoveries and, and, um, and the understanding begins to develop. But then your experience will really demand that you live the implications of what you're discovering so you may have to take a big risk in perhaps a work project or act in a totally different manner in in, in your relationship whatever this moment is calling for you may have to pursue something you, you may be calling to be pursuing something in which everything is on the line and you have no idea how it's going to work out Right, that uncertainty element is going to be so reignited in life, and in that moment, like, will you embrace uncertainty or will you 
succumb to it? Will you run away from it? Which is funny though, because the uncertainty aspect of experience is what we crave most. You know, the excitement, the unpredictability is what we love most. We hate when life becomes structured. When when and we even have an expression for it is that like the life is getting sucked out of it, right? What is getting sucked out of it? It is the unpredictable factor. So once we embrace uncertainty, now it no longer becomes a reason to fear. Not knowing is no longer a reason to fear. It's actually perhaps your greatest excitement because now truly you don't know what's going to happen and. And you, you give that control over, realizing that you are not the, the sole cause for how things work out in your life. You give that control over to life. And I've experienced that as one of the most beautiful things. Because the, truly, then you're, you're removing the structures. You're removing all these. Because with the structures go the belief systems and all this mental nonsense on behalf of which we suffer, on behalf of which many of our limiting ideas are, are resting, you know? So truly, uh, we, we love the, the, the first aspect of it, the discussion and philosophy. We kind of like the silence aspect of it because it's relaxing, but <laughs> nobody talks about the third, which is the difficult part. Yet it is perhaps the, the, the most fulfilling in that regard, which is where the, the true conviction really arises. When you put everything on the line, when you act according to understanding, and then you see, Obviously, the mind can never see from this point of view, point in time how this is unfolding and if I'm going to be okay. But then you continue to see, you know, there's something that's just taking care of it all without you wanting, without you clinging, without you resisting. It's still just flowing. Experience is still just flowing. And so that, that's the harmonious aspect, um, that, start, that quality, the har harmonious quality of life that begins to arise. Yeah, so many great bits there. The surrender to faith, trust, perfection that we already are, and the integration portion, which is when your silence really meets the test, when the catalyst appears, are you so equanimous and so unable to be triggered that you just hold the space for the reharmonization of the distortion that approached the field? And so you begin acting as God perpetually rebalancing itself towards harmony away from distortion and ego and conditioning of separation. And as you said in this quote as well, that you want reality, but you're afraid of it. You cling to the unreal and that can very beautifully also be expressed through this visual, which is the very conditioning that we spent 
years developing of being a separate finite biological entity among a bunch of other separate finite biological entities that have no relation whatsoever to each other in a finite physical reality, that entire structure is the unreal. It is most unreal. The separation, the finity, the conditioning. And when you do nothing and you recognize that emptiness in silence, like we've been talking about, people struggle with that because what you see there in that castle is their attachment to the years of their lattice work developing yeah that's the hardest thing to let go of it's this arrogant i already know everything non-humble lattice work that's where this sort of i need to force my point of view because i already know as a separate entity among a bunch of other separate entities i know and i'm going to force my perspective in given my lattice work of years of study of the specific thing that i already know and the silence like we saw it just collapses that lattice work to the divine surrender faith truth perfection of recognizing, re-identifying oneself as the very source of reality itself. This very earnestness to know and be the truth of freedom, to be the freedom that you already are and to surrender to the very one intelligence at play with itself that you already are. That seems to be the most common late stage part of awakening is just the divine faithful surrender to the one intelligence that we already are at play with itself and just knowing that the proper silence will arise as it does the proper integration will arise as it does there will be a proper subtlefication as it comes there will be the replenishing as it comes. And it's just ineffably, indescribably perfect already. And that's sort of what we come to as this realization, which is sort of what I mentioned at the beginning, which is that kind of hold both of these simultaneously, which is it's already always perfect and free and yet at the same time there seems to be this contracted energy of not knowing what silence is because we're so attached to what's appearing on the screen to the noises and so then there's the process of this 
personal mastery quest of oh, how do I become more aware of the screen itself? How do I become more aware of the silence? And what does that enable? How does that enable me to access the truth and the freedom and the perfection and the divinity, the kingdom of God that's already there? The one word you use, earnestness, I love that word. And such a nisargadatta word. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah, earnestness is that it is that which brings that willingness to let go, you know, of your investment in your beliefs, your investment in what you know to what, what is familiar, we can say. It is what enables you to take that leap of faith and trust. Not only trust the teaching, the words, but also trust life to take care of life. Yeah. And it's, and you know, I love the the, the simplicity also of uh, Ramana Maharshi's teaching because you know how we broke it down into three aspects, like the the concepts, silence, and integration. It, his was just silence and <laughs> not integration in a way, because he, he used to say that either inquire or surrender you know or and it's really both either either one you choose you're doing both <laughs> you know uh and and that that really is and and sometimes we resist the fact that it can be that simple the mind wants to dwell in uh concepts it wants to continue to just be, be active in that regard it, it finds especially in the very uh beginning when you're encountering this teaching being aware that you are aware just doesn't seem enough until you start to really um acknowledge its depth its its freedom yes and then you you and automatically the mind recognizes this that okay then it can be this simple i i can surrender and that's we can that's like the purification of the mind. The mind is going from being very, very gross, um, lost in its concepts to becoming more subtler and subtler itself. And we we notice this as the mind becoming quieter and also just being more willing, you know, in that way. And it, it just comes back to silence, you know, that that is the yeah. place that is the place to start and end. <laughs> yeah. Yep. It's fascinating watching the 2020s roar into the simultaneous even more noise even more people on the internet even more people seeing the attention economy as a big land grab and so becoming attached to posting to 
garner attention in the land grab out of, in many ways, unworthiness. Mm-hmm. I will get validation from people with my follower counts and my likes. And I, by only knowing myself as a separate finite entity, must create a trace, which is impossible because this is all traceless. I must create a trace through a Wikipedia page. And that is going on in the 2020s. At the same time, the silence and the internal is happening. And it's fascinating watching it unfold where there's this very clear movement and galvanizing of attention on all the answers are within shut the fuck up (laughs) at the same time that there is this explosion of tiktok (laughs) and it's almost like both are attractors they're like vortexes right the inward is its own attractor and vortex of wow i love being the honey itself muji talks about our preference to taste the honey rather than be it right and then there's this other attractor which is the in many ways it's like maya the illusion the intoxication and that this one is also like a vortex because when you get onto the platform, even if it's YouTube or Instagram or Facebook or Twitter, let alone TikTok, which is the most attention locking of them all, it's a vortex. And what's happening is your treating your attention carelessly mm-hmm. most simply put you get to do whatever you want because you're always already free that's the beauty of it yet at the same time if you truly care about what spirituality is or what spiritual understanding is or what silence can bring to your life to undergo the process that Sonny and I have been talking about throughout the basic how, which you led us through a very simple practice of how to become aware of the screen. Just the very essence of silence itself, creating this pause, creating this gap. Even Eckhart Tolle has went 
so far as to say that you are more conscious the more of a gap and a pause that you have. So you're less conscious, you're more robotic, you're more algorithmic, you're more scripted when you simply react to a stimulus rather than knowing how to just observe, witness, and be able to see what is it teaching me? What is it teaching the others? in the scenario, the other selves. The, this is the, it's the perceptual, Bentinho Massaro has also said that everything that appears in consciousness is based on identity. If you're identifying as Tao versus if you're identifying as a separate person. Because if you're identifying as a separate person you have and you have no pause, you have no gap, what's going to appear in your consciousness is suffering, getting triggered, anger, emotions, frustration. Versus if you're residing in the Tao, as Lao Tzu said, the master resides in Tao. If you're residing in it, what appears in consciousness is this sort of perpetual honey, the perpetual subtlification, purification, freedom, truth, surrender, divinity. And it's up to you. You're free to choose if you want to reunite with that. I like the honey. I like the honey. <laughs> I think if we're blessed enough that the teaching has come into our experience, then as you said earlier, then we must be, we must care more where the attention is going. Then you actually, because otherwise it's just blindedness without knowing you are blinded. Now, as when this teaching arises in your experience, now almost comes with a greater sense of responsibility from the relative choice making that you have. Now you must tend to where your attention is going. What keeps our attention hooked is the incessant thinkingness, which revolves just around craving and resisting. It's so true. If you just do a, a, a little inventory of your thinking for one day, you see how it literally just revolves. It's just all interpretations and judgments on, on things you want and things you don't want. And as you said earlier, in this thinking, it's re reinforcing the identity of being a certain thing, certain somebody who can want or not want. So it keeps that uh, blindedness, that illusion very, very alive and, and real. And so it goes back to the earlier point that we made. One of the, the greatest freedoms you can give to yourself is to 
look at even your own likes and dislikes, preferences and resistances, desires and fears with a certain lack of interest, with a certain detachment. It because there lies our bondage, you know, how much we believe our own likes and dislikes, preferences and resistances for how much how this experience should unfold, for what the world should be, for what I want to become, for what I should be. As soon as we relax those or relax the belief, because they may still arise, let them arise, watch them arise, become aware of that. Wow, you know, become aware of it's an amazing spiritual practice. Become aware of your own selfish interests. You know, always uh, uh, this craving to manipulate, experience other people. See the the this uh, self interest to to gain, to to want praise, to want to avoid pain. To, to avoid anything that may be unpleasant. Watch all these things arise within you. Do nothing of them. Simply become aware that they are arising. And when you become aware that they are arising, then you can you have the capacity to turn away, to no longer go with it. Because previously it was arising and it was just finding expression without any sort of uh, monitoring. But now we're blessed that, okay, this teaching has arisen in experience. It is guiding you towards this. Trust the words and that because having faith in the words is perhaps the first step without which you won't even practice. And then you see that in your own experience. Yes, you, you become way more aware. All these things that were previously just arising in the background or weren't even knowingly arising. They were just operating as you, as what I am. Now they're arising and there's an awareness of them. You're able to watch them. You're not resisting them. You're not fighting them. You're not trying to turn them into something more positive. It's just you're watching them arise. And in that lies the freedom to turn away. And therefore now all these things become weaker. And their ability to reinforce that identity as a certain somebody with a story or being here as something becomes weaker. Therefore, you become more and more established in your non-physical identity as that which is aware. And so uh, you brought up Eckhart Tolle earlier, and uh, there was one teaching of his which uh, always resonated with me. He said, you know, as, as we're going through this subtleification, as this purification process, be comfortable not knowing what you are. When you are observing, be comfortable not attributing a thought or a feeling or a, a, a name or a shape or a form to that which is observing. Observe as a nothing and be comfortable not being a something. Don't itch at any concept. Don't just crave you know, some sort of physical entity, physical identity from which you must operate. See that all that you note, all that all that we what we consider the world, what we even believe ourselves to be, is an object within the seeing. And when everything you know as life, life as we know it, all of it comes in the seeing. That is when this deeper curiosity go, goes up even more. It's like, then what is it that would that what that which is aware? As what am I aware? 
any object, any concept, any idea that I can come up with is seen. It itself is a, a thought, perhaps the subtlest of thoughts, but as what am I aware of it? If this is so subtle, so invisible, it may not even be a thought. It may be like, you know, some sort of underlying like uh, concept or belief, but still I am aware of it. As what must I be aware of it? That which is subtler than even this subtle thought appearing. And so that's the freedom that starts to um, become very, very real. The moment you create a distance between you and your likes and dislikes, your preferences and resistances, it allows you to create a distance from everything. Yes. distance is a very necessary step obviously the integration is then once again co going within it and uh, you know going through that but the the distance is a very very good first step you create a distance between that which is aware and what it is aware of and not attributing it to an object not attributing it to something a acknowledging that anything knowable cannot be what i am in essence And, and that is the, the sense of responsibility that I, that I talk about that arises when, when the teaching comes into our experience. Now be interested in this. Because why? Because, you know, what else is more interesting? <laughs> you know, people are always afraid of like, this may go out of my life. This may go out of my life. First of all, anything that just goes out of your life wasn't worth protecting anyway. And then second, see what you are waking up to it is much more of of you can say for a value of interest if we're talking about you know Nasargadatta Maharaj there's another quote that I love from him he says nothing of value can happen to a mind that knows exactly what it wants for nothing the mind can want is of much value <laughs> the mind operates in the realm of the knowable it itself is unknowable. <laughs> so that is the interest which you are diverting now. Instead of being so interested in that which is known, be interested in that which is knowing. Yes. And that is the, the ripeness. That is the subtlification, the purification. Purification of what? Mind, not you. Mind. It, it enhances the mind's ability to reflect that which is without distortion, without making it appear to be something else. Yes. You know, because we're always saying all sorts of things about I am this, I am that. Our eye is dancing all the time, wearing different shapes, different masks, different costumes. And we say it like it's our truth, you know? So that's the beautiful part about self-inquiry. It uh, takes the simplest statements you take to be true that you don't even consciously think uh, out loud, but you, these are your assumptions. And it brings all of them into question. Yeah. And once you are interested in this questioning, already that is freedom ensuing. Mm. Love that.
questioning your assumptions yields freedom. <laughs> the very process of self-inquiry itself will give rise to all of these things that were taken as assumptions, which then creates the Gnostic individual, the mystic, the yogi, the one that has united with God because they have turned inward. And through the turn inward, the very defocusing on objects and the uniting with that which observes, witnesses, sees, is conscious of, is aware of all that is the space, that is the emptiness, that is abided as with silence and with just the earnestness to see what is, what is on the other shore of the obsessive compulsive focusing on objects? What is on the other shore? What is on the shore of becoming aware of that which sees? <clears throat> and what is on the other shore is the well of honey that is under the rock, as Aurobindo and the mother said. And at the end of the day, there are no shores. <laughs> and, <laughs> and at the end of the day, there are also shores. And that's the game is simultaneity. So do you, um, all we're talking about here with spiritual understanding is yielding more freedom. Do you feel like you're free? Is your obsession with objects and thoughts and perceptions and sensations and beliefs and your point of view and being a separate finite entity trying to extract peace and happiness from Maya, yielding you great freedom? Because if the answer to that is no, then all you have to do is turn inward. All you have to do is relax, become aware of what is that which knows your experience. And might it be the same thing that knows the experience of Sunny? Might it be the same that knows the experience of Atlas? Might this be a manifestation of eternity, of infinity, an appearance, a cameo, a dream? And might you be the very source of all possibility? Yay! <laughs> <laughs> it boils down to freedom, baby. Yes. Boils down to freedom. I think one of the best discoveries also to be made in experience is that no experience can bring you that freedom. Because no matter how spiritual you become, no matter how go deep you go into non-dual philosophy, some part of you still starts, keeps craving experiences. You know, you, you maybe on the surface level, you're like, yes, I no longer believe that the next job or the next vacation can bring me that happiness, but something continues to pursue that sort of energy remains, it has certain momentum. And so 
going through the experiences that you have been craving for very long, those are your moments of reflection. Be aware in those moments. See how even in those moments, the mind is restless. And those moments pass. That experience also passes and it leaves you in the same craving. And this, you only have to go through so many times before you you wake up to this. Some Some may never do. But if you're truly bringing your if you're truly attentive to experience you very very quickly will see this you know and this will then facilitate that going inward because you will see that the answer does not lie within experience it, it is never bringing you that sense of fulfillment that sense of wholeness that sense of, that happiness that peacefulness that you seek through objects yes yep. no object is capable of bringing you this yep yep i swear on sitting and doing nothing yields more peace and happiness than the most extravagant luxurious experience i swear on it and it's only deepening it flipped the early parts of my life were the opposite where you could say maya was higher and awareness was lower and now my life has flipped where awareness the very emptiness brings the peace and happiness and the Maya, the experiences are like, yeah, you can go to Mexico or yeah, you like, yeah, you can <clears throat> skydive or jet ski or have a one night stand or do DMT. Like the experience list is endless, but know that none of those bring what you seek. Come all the way in first and then experience what you please. Because if you want to at that point say, Let's go to Thailand. Then do that from the place of knowing that you're bringing peace and happiness to Thailand. <laughs> Not that you're going to Thailand to extract peace and happiness. Yeah. Yeah. And sometimes hearing it is not enough. I know two, three, four years ago, if I heard it, it wouldn't have been enough for me. Same you thing. just have to go through that. And, and that's perhaps also a very appropriate empowerment phase where you are really bought into, you no. Know, it, I need this. I want this. And going through that, you know, so I, I always encourage people to go through that. If you really believe in that, go through that and experience it for yourself. But just do so with a certain level of attentiveness. Don't be blinded by experience. Be attentive. See if experiencing exactly what you had wanted to experience, if it is bringing you that level of satisfaction, that level of fulfillment, not momentarily, but even when it passes. That's also something to acknowledge that it passes. Yes. And then see if that brings rest. 
you know, if that brings that sense of fulfillment. And once you really start to acknowledge this, then you will know, then you will have that different relationship with experience where you will no longer give it that false reality, that belief, and you will no longer, all these cravings and resistances that continue to arise will have less belief. Then you won't just let anything find expression. Many things that are arising in mind will just be discarded and they will vanish. Their vanishing will not make you any lesser. Their vanishing will not make your experience, your life fall apart, you know? And so once that turning inward starts to occur, once you fully acknowledge that, yes, experience cannot bring me what I want, then, as you said, as you go inward, as you reconnect with what you are, or become what you, or be as you are, then the expression may find its own, then it may dance as, as it is programmed to do, you know, because uh, oftentimes a fear arises of fear of loss on the spiritual path, whereas the only thing you're losing is delusion. If you are, if you're, if the programming is, you're going to be very active and involved and this and that, and you're going to be all in, you know, in, the, in action with all these people, that will continue to find expression. But if the programming is being quiet and retracting or, or leaving, uh, or, you know, just um, living that very simple life, then that will be it. Ultimately, it will be your enjoyment also. So not fearing any loss, see that anything worth Anything that you can lose is not worth clinging on to. Once you really uh, acknowledge this, then just be that open. Be open to anything that comes, let it come. Anything that goes, let it go. Once you become this empty sort of vessel, allowing the flow of experience, then not only does this harmony ensue, but also experiences, capacity to blind you, to further pull you into identification, it ceases. Yes. So it's a beautiful aspect of this whole journey. Yeah. I love this point that the bliss from the experience comes and goes and that's a direct experiential realization as long as you become subtle enough to notice it. Why right after the one night stand, DMT experience, travel to Thailand, etc., did I come back feeling sad right when it was done? Yeah. Why, why was there a void that needed to be filled again? Versus what is being discussed as this pure aware being? And how could that possibly be itself an inexhaustible well of bliss and peace? How could that be what is called Satchitananda? How is that possible? Let me investigate. And upon that earnest investigation, the realization is yielded, but it will not yield to those that do not seek to reunite with it. So 
you are again already always free, perfect, unlimited, eternal. Yet it remains for you to recognize it. That's a beautiful Sufi metaphysic that basically sums up the non-dual with the dual in one. Only the ignorant seek what is already there, yet it remains for you to recognize it. <laughs> yeah. I often have uh, have this rule. Anytime um, you begin to go into a lot of concepts, anytime, even let's say we're like we're in a discussion today and we're, we've gone off into a lot of talking and concepts, and just coming back to that simplicity once again, acknowledging that I am aware. All the words that came in have gone. And even the words that are arising continue to just vanish and become very dreamlike. Literally, even the beginning of this talk, you have to, you, it has a very similar quality to the, the dream that you had last night. You know, it is equally unreal. And soon the contents of this moment also will become very, very unreal, just a memory. But go to the core of experience. I am aware. It's very, very, it's shining forth. It's very self-evident. And, and that's the curiosity to, to cultivate. As what am I aware? No longer just assuming, right? Because we love to put it, an image to it like I, this body, this thing is aware. But no longer just assuming. Be aware and investigate as what am I aware? Because anything that you attribute that this is what is aware, you will quickly see in, in this inquiry that it is a thing which is which you are aware of. It is seen, it is observed. And so you must go through this. This curiosity will really help you see clearly that anything that you can cultivate as, or that you can create as this is what is aware, anything that the mind can come up with is simply something you're already aware of. So as what am I aware of that? Don't battle against the thoughts that are arising. It, let the mind do what it, it does. The mind thinks. The thoughts are not the problem. But you must simply establish your true position as what are you aware of the thinkingness? And instead of being so interested in the content of the thinking, be interested genuinely. And that, that's such an important word, genuinely. Not for some gain, not for some 
blissful experience, but the only thing that you can seem to care about is as what am I aware? What is the knower? You know, what knows? And it will always bring you back to that utter simplicity. It will always bring bring the mind into the heart of awareness. gorgeous wrap. Thank you. It was wonderful talking to you. Perfect. I'm glad we did this. <laughs> Thanks for leading us on those two meditations, those two inquiries. Very profound. Very good. Thank you. Great dialectic. Super looking forward to continued creating together, Sonny. You're powerful. You're so powerful, my brother. Love very, you. Very happy to connect with you. So powerful. Love it. Grateful to our audience for catching the pattern and yes, that happened. I'm very uh, excited for that person to see this. Hopefully, they're watching already. <laughs> <laughs> there were a couple, and even in the comments from Today, we had uh, we had gratitude for this live stream. Thankful for each and every one of universe, divine creator, unconditionally love you all, serving mindful awareness. Sunny, the <laughs> love, yeah. The inward and outward honey vortices expanding parabolically at once. Perhaps it can't happen any other way. So interesting. Yep. As what am I aware? Repeat. <laughs> yes. Uh, awesome. All right. Everyone, thank you so much for tuning in. Infinite love to you. Thank you. Check out the links in the bio below to Sonny's YouTube channel and also his website. He has so much great free content there for you to check out. And also, if the video brought you value, give it a like. Helps the algorithm. Subscribe to the channel if you haven't yet. Leave us a comment below with your thoughts. We'll, come in, we'll jump in and hit the tennis ball. Over to you. Supper us. Infinite love, yo. <laughs> and share the conversation with people that you feel like this would resonate with. And that is all. Thank you, everyone. And we will.
see you soon. Thank you, everybody. Thank you, Atlas. Thanks, Sonny. Thanks, everyone. <laughs>